Welcome to your Sprinkle Hope podcast and your host, Jason. And today I had the awesome opportunity of interviewing a person by the name of Joy, which is something Shane and I talk a lot about, Joy, and what that means to us. And she she gives some really good information about relationships and just how to work through those. Um, she, she gives some really good insight into fear, overcoming that fear, and just holding our kids back sometimes or holding ourselves back from really getting what it is that we want out of life. So listen in to Joy Reed. Welcome to the Sprinkled with Hope podcast. Welcome to your Sprinkle with Hope podcast and your host, Jason, and we are so excited to bring Joy Reed with us today, and she's just so super, super awesome. So I'll introduce her just a little bit. Joy is the founder of Punchline Agency and has also been a speaker herself over the last decade between 2005 and 2015. Joy worked as a conference director for her parents' Love and Respect Marriage Conferences she later created the Love and Respect Now website and the Illumination Project small group study as resources for a generation on the topic of singleness, dating, and marriage. In 2014, Christianity Today named Joy one of the 33 leaders under the age of 33 shaping the next generation. So, Joy, let's just talk about some of the cool things that you've done. And and uh, so, so how did you kind of get get your work started or how, how did that come about? Well, thank you for having me. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, 33 under 33, that was back when I was under 33. <laughs> 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 uh, I'm now 40. I've hit that milestone, which, uh, you know, caused me to dye my Welcome hair to the club. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't buy the Corvette, but I dyed my hair blonde, right. so, you know. Um, working through some things. Um, but no, I, uh, all that stuff that you mentioned was, yeah, it was during a season. Um, uh, you know, now I have started a speaking agency and a literary agency. I represent people, um, who are good on the page and stage. Um, and so that's my whole world now I've, I've gotten married. I live in France with my husband and two kids. Um, but those things that you mentioned were really formative to how I got into the world of speaking and writing. Um, as I, I mentioned, I worked for my parents who do marriage conferences. Um, my father has written several books and my parents speak together, um, on the topic of relationships and parenting and things like that. Um, <clears throat> But back in um, 2007, I believe, I was directing all of their speaking uh, okay. conferences. And yeah, and I, so we're doing marriage conferences. I'm single. <laughs> um, and um, I actually started dating someone and thought I was going to get married. Um, and it ended up being a horrible horrible relationship that had to end and then I was like I'm directing marriage conferences (laughs) and I can't make relationships work and I'm broken and all those things so that's what led me to then um starting this kind of for the younger generation relationship uh, discussion so I had the blog and I did video blogs um and that was really my my passion my life's message at that in that season of life um, because I had, I had experienced extreme heartache, 
Um, but I also had the wisdom that I had learned from my parents. And at those conferences, so many people said, I wish I would have known this 20 years ago. If mm -hmm. only I knew then what I know now, which is why I called it love and respect now. So that my generation didn't have to say like, why didn't anybody teach us this 20 years ago? Right. <laughs> yeah. So it was really fun. I loved doing it. I still, you know, my husband makes fun of me. I love watching like, you know, all those like, uh, you know, terrible shows on Netflix about, you know, matchmaking or, you know, love is blind, those things. Right. I'm fascinated, fascinated by the human condition and, and people's desire for love and relationships. And um, so it's still, it's still something that's part of my DNA. Um, but now I have transitioned into representing people who I feel like are also holding messages that are heavy on their heart that they want to get out to the world. Yeah, that's, I love that. Cause that's, totally what um i think that there's a lot of people that have those messages that need to share uh throughout the world if that's overcoming fear or whatever it is right i mean there's a myriad yeah. of, of subjects out there um so that's so why the, you're doing this podcast it, exactly you, you had a dark season <laughs> and you were like i want to just sprinkle hope and joy and happiness so it's good when we can we can use our pain to hopefully help others it, yes it's true um, and so did you do anything with that love and relationship stuff still, or do you, or is that kind of, yeah, no, I'm still a huge fan of my parents. Awesome. <laughs> um, <Right. but> that, <laughs> yeah. But what happened during that time was because I was speaking and I was, um, writing blogs and doing these video blogs. Um, I, and I had been around publishers because of my dad being an author. Um, I was then, I had built enough of kind of a thing um, that I was approached by publishers to write a book. And oh, okay. at that time, my dad had, um, he had been in the publishing industry for long enough and he knows me so well that he was like, I think you could be your own agent. I think you have the personality to be an agent. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> personality <laughs> to be an agent. I don't right. know that's a <laughs> So I did that and I learned, you know, because a lot of times the reason publishers require agents is because they don't want a lot of people who don't know anything about contracts, you know, that are there right. to write books asking legal jargon. Right. Um, and you don't want to have to negotiate on behalf of yourself, you right. know. And so I did it, but I realized this would be, I, I learned all about the contracts and, and, and I knew about the publishing industry because of my dad, but I was like, this would be much more fulfilling to do for someone else I like cheering people on right. and I I also felt like the work that I was doing you know I was doing this blog and these video blogs and I felt like I had this good collection of content because people would write questions and then I'd kind of figure out the answer I'd talk to my parents and I would give a okay. response and I felt like I was starting to get kind of the same repertoire of questions and I was like you know I've built something I feel like I want to put a bow on it. They can still use it. And now I'm ready to move on to something else. And so that's when I, um, I transitioned away and decided to start this agency to represent others. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so you are currently living in France, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. How's that? Oui, oui. Like, yeah. <laughs> are you learning French? Do you know French? Or? Oh, please. That's a sore, <laughs> sore subject. My husband Okay, we'll move like on. A, yeah, thank you. Well, yeah, I feel like I always have to give an excuse. My husband is a language savant and he like, uh, learned, he speaks, This it's his job that brought us here. Um, okay. But we both very much wanted to come here. 
I love living here, um, but I am not a language savant. <laughs> I and he he's gracious. He's like, I really think it's because you are a communicator and you love the nuance of, you know, communicating and good rhetoric. That like I just I get paralyzed. Like I understand, I know vocab, but I'm like I, you know, the irony is that I am a literary agent, but. I, I couldn't tell you like the rules of English, you know, and I'm like, if I don't know what an adverb is in English, I'm not going to be able to figure out that sentence structure in French. Okay. So, um, I mime a lot and I know enough to be really polite to French people in French about why my French is so bad. <laughs> and that's got me by well. <laughs> so, so the real question is, is the food just amazing or what? It is. It's funny. We um, we have another friend that, from the U.S. that lived abroad, and she was like, "I miss, I miss the how good the food is in France and Europe, but I also when I'm there, I miss the flavor of American food. Uh. So like, food here is like you don't feel gross after you eat because right. <laughs> there's like <laughs> restrictions on how much MSG they can put in right. stuff." And so you, like, I can eat so much more bread here. Like every time I go back to the U.S., I automatically gain like five to eight pounds and then wow. I'll come back here and it like goes away. So, but huh. you don't have the same like Cheetos, Mexican right. food, like the, the extreme <laughs> flavor yes. of like American food I do miss. So, <laughs> but yes, food, food here is, it's a culinary, uh. Yeah, it's it's there's never a not a restaurant to go try. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So, is there anything that maybe you picked up from your parents teaching about love and marriage that maybe you could share with our audience? Most, I mean, we, you know, we have a lot of women and men that listen, and mm-hmm. you know, there's there's obviously this we're, we're in this age where learning how to live with somebody else and be respectful of each other and working in a relationship is, is crucial. Um, so is there maybe like one or two things that, or or even that you've picked up in your married life that you could help share with others that could, could help them. And if they're struggling in their marriage or. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, there's so many things that come to mind. I feel like something that's been really helpful for me, um, is, is my dad always talks about like you, you didn't marry Hitler's distant cousin, you know, like you didn't want it. Now people, there are bad people and there are bad relationships that you need, you know, when you're in harm's way, you need to get out of it. But for the most part, two people walk down the aisle, not saying, I hate you. You hate me. Let's get married. Right. And yet we don't tend to our relationship and we let, um, we let things fester and over time, you, you know, I, I actually had lunch with a, a friend yesterday and she was talking about how she really feels like you have to, you know, sometimes people have just married the wrong person and you have to make sure that you marry the right, per- or no, that's how she was saying. She was saying, you just have to marry the right person. You have to marry the right person. And I was like, yes, but also that logic then I think allows people to justify when they have not tended to their relationship and their marriage right. to go, I married the wrong person. Therefore I'm going to leave. And the reality is we have this notion of the one, but I actually don't believe in the one. This is something that I actually talked a lot, a lot about. I don't believe in the one until you choose the one. 
and then outside of you being in harm's way (laughs) um you need to work at this person that you have committed to to be in the one but the reality is you could probably make your marriage work with multiple people and yet we let these problems fester in our marriage and so then when there's somebody over here that we're actually not living with from the day in and day out and we start imagining like oh actually i think maybe they were supposed to be the one. I'm sorry, but the problems that you have with the current person are probably going to come five down, years yep. down the road if you change and marry another person. So um, again, there's a, there's circumstances when you've got to like, it's not a good situation. But for the most part, if you are married to a good-willed person that you would leave your children alone with, then there seems to me that there can be a real opportunity for getting help and working to get back to that place that you were when you walked down the aisle and you had tears in your eyes and you were ready to spend forever together. Um, And my husband and I actually make a point to talk openly about the fact that we go to marriage counseling. Um, I think so often people do premarital counseling and that's good. That's fine. But you also are kind of in this state where you're like, we're engaged, we're getting married. Like most people aren't (laughs) going to go through premarital counseling and go, yeah, I get you probably not going to go through it, but So we committed to, we knew we had enough people in our life that said, yes, you are right. This is, this is good. There weren't people going red flag, red flag. So we decided to proceed into marriage. And then we decided throughout our marriage, we are going to invest in marriage counseling and seeing someone as preventative medicine, not as going to the hospital, the ER when things have gotten too bad. So I know it's expensive and I know that sometimes people can't afford it, but there's always, there's also, there are organizations, there's oftentimes churches with lay counselors, people that you can, you know, go to if you don't have the money to go see a clinical psychologist or something like that. And I would really encourage, and if you can't even do that, find another couple that's older, maybe 20 years down the road that you see as having a good marriage and you know that they have wisdom. And ask if you can start meeting with them once a month and being honest about your relationship as preventative medicine. I, I love that. Everything you just said about um, just, you know, I think you can make a relationship work with anyone. I totally agree with you on that, that it really it's two people working together for a common cause. And mm-hmm. it's not, you know, you're they're out to get you and you're out to get them and so I, I think, yeah, working together and, and having um, counseling would be a great way to do that because then you have yeah. that mediator, that person that says, you know, no, he's not right and you're wrong. It's, you know, let's come to an agreement on what it is that you're working through. Yeah. And and also, I think sometimes people get scared about, oh, we we fight over, or we just keep coming back to the same little fight. And somehow let let a lie set in that like something's wrong with that. And again, if it's a really, really serious thing, like that's one thing. But for the most part, every relationship, if you're living with someone day in and day out, you are going to have conflict. And so instead of freaking out over that, my husband and I have just created, we, we have an understanding now of why we keep having the same fight around bedtime, <laughs> you know, right. or you know, we, we have our fights and our commitment is we don't have the thing of like, you have to repair before you go to sleep because sometimes you just need to have a little space and go to sleep, but we repair and we always know that we're going to repair quickly. It might just be the next morning. 
It might be that one of us goes for a walk and we come back, but like that is fighting is not a problem. It's if you don't repair after the fight. Yeah. I love that. I love that, that, that idea of repair. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I can, yeah, I can just think of, of repairing different relationships or repairing different things. Yeah. You're, you're constantly trying to make it better. And so I I love everything you said. Uh, super, super great. Um, I'm kind of curious because Shane and I, we talk about fear a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm curious to get your take on, you know, what are, what is something that, um, would hold somebody, uh, from doing that thing because of fear, you know, do they want to accomplish a goal, but yet they're afraid to do that thing. Um, like fly on an airplane, right. They're terrified to do that. And so they just don't go anywhere. They just drive everywhere. I'm curious to get your take on fear. That is interesting question. Um, you know, I think our fears are strongest in the middle of the night when we wake up. <laughs> um, a lot of things that freak us out. I, I think truly it's like, there is something cognitively like in the night where you like, you cannot process things right. um, as sanely as you can in the day. So if you're freaking out in night, at night, at night, just tell yourself like, Hey, this is, this is something about the time of day it is. I'm going to, I'm going to write this down. I'm going to write my fear down in a little journal next to my bed. And then I'm going to revisit this with someone who I know can speak truth into my life. Um, that's, I, I guess I have always kind of had the posture of seeking wise counsel. Mm. And so whatever fear you have, go to people who, you know, know you and are for you with the posture of going, I want to bring this fear to them with a posture of openness. I think sometimes it's just so easy for us to shut people down when people are trying to encourage us. No, the, I, I used to take improv comedy and you've probably heard the, you know, phrase, yes. And, right. um, <laughs> and I, so that principle is based off the fact that in an improv scene, two people come onto the stage, not knowing what the other person's going to say. And one person, um, you know, might say, uh, you know, stick them up. You're, this is a bank you know, robbery. And the principle of yes. And doesn't mean that you go, yes. Yeah. Here to take all the money. It doesn't mean that you just say yes to whatever's presented. It means that you are yesing the scene. So if you were just like, no, you're not, you're a monkey, you know, like that's, right. that's knowing the scene. Yesing the scene goes, wait, wait, no, 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 don't shoot. You know, like, so you're, you actually can say no and be yes. Anding. And uh. so I would say, when you are going to people for advice, it is so, as someone who does consulting and and really loves to speak truth into people's lives, I there are certain people who keep coming back to me with the same problem. And it is, it is actually really de-energizing because I know like, man, you are just going to like any suggestion I give you, you're going to tell me why it's not going to work. And so I actually think sometimes people's fear is actually a safety mechanism. And it's like, they, they, it's just like, they just want to stay in it because to have freedom, to not have fear, they wouldn't know what to complain about or what to hold on to. (laughs) Having freedom actually scares them. (laughs) Um, So I I don't know if that answers your question, but I would say if if you have a fear and you still have it in the daytime, (laughs) 
take that to someone who's older and wiser or just wiser. And as you take that fear to them, tell yourself first, I'm going to do everything I can to have an open posture to the encouragement and the advice that they're giving me. I'm going to yes. And even if it's scary, I'm going to yes. And, and then look back and see how it turned out. But if you're not at a place where you can yes. And wise counsel in your life, I don't know if you're, if you really want to overcome that fear. Oh, I love that. That's such, that's such great wisdom in what you just said. Honestly, that, that does answer my question. Um, cause I think there's any time we can have a tip or a trick to, to help us get over some of those fears. I think that's really what oftentimes hold us back from becoming what we want to become and getting better every single day is cause we're afraid to, to take a step or we're afraid to do something. No, I'm comfortable where I'm at. I'm, yeah. I'm good. I don't need to do anything or, or, um, yeah, I don't want to make waves. So I'm just going to sit here and do nothing. Right. Instead yeah. of like, yeah, yeah, let's move forward to, you know, let's get all of our garbage out and whatever it looks like and let's go forward. Yeah. I think some people are so used to sitting in their dark spaces or their fears yeah. or having those conversations. Um, even even as I'm now a, a mom of two young kids and I'm around other moms of young kids, um, I just see how fear paralyzes so many parents Mm -hmm. um and I'm like what would you do if you just I mean you can't not care about your kids and want you know good for their you know you not care about their well-being but like it to me it feels like this is robbing you of living in the present moment and delighting in your child because you are so worried that they are going to fall off that slide or hurt that kid or not get into that school and it's like those things may happen. Like I I've often said, like, go to the worst. What's the worst thing that can happen here? You know, go there. Right. And then, you know what? It might happen, but it hasn't happened yet. So let's just enjoy our child. Let's, you know, it really, it feels very, um, it just feels like people are putting themselves in straight jackets. And it's like right. that. And that also that like feeds to the kids. Yes, you know, they, they get that. They totally get that. And that has been my prayer and hope for myself as a mom. Um, cause I, I can be intense, but I prayed that I would just delight in my kids and not let the natural, you know, fear and worry about how they're going to turn out, um, keep me from missing them in the present moment. That's yeah, I totally agree. I think oftentimes, and they, they're going to sense that as well, right? They're going to sense that the fear that you have and I mean, fear is a learned response. Totally. When we're young, we, okay, I'm going to touch that hot stove. We did, And they go for it. Yeah. I don't know any different. So that fear really is a learned response. We're teaching them to be afraid of whatever it is that's in front yeah. of them. So yeah. awesome. So great. So near the end of the podcast, Shane and I do a thing that we call the double down dose. And so Ooh. it's two questions that we ask all of our guests and they're simple questions, but sometimes hard to answer. So I'm curious your take on these. So the first yeah, question I like is a good alliteration. <laughs> <laughs> Double down dose. Let's go. Yes, let's go. So the first one is what is your definition of hope? If you have true hope, you live 
differently today. Hmm. I like that. I, I and I have to say there was some version of that that the re, that just came to my head because it really stuck with me this past Sunday I attended church and that was kind of how they defined hope. They were like if if you truly have hope in something then in the future like cuz hope is in the future. Right. Then that will whatever that thing is that you hope in in the future that greatly impacts how you live today. It will change how you live today. So I can't say that that was from my own. I, I heard something to that effect today, so I got to give credit where credit's due. <laughs> yeah, I get it, but I I love I love the answer though. I think it's it's true that you know hope is future, right? We're hoping to have a better tomorrow than we did today. We're hoping for mm-hmm. you know better wellness or whatever it is, right? Yeah. So I love that. Yeah, I mean, if you hope for you know to. I hope to lose 10 pounds. I got to do something different right. today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause w- what's the definition of insanity doing the same thing over and over same again, over expecting over. a different result. Right. Exactly. Yep. So awesome. So the second part of the double down dose is what is your definition of love? Man, do other people sit and ponder for a few minutes? Can you yes, edit that yes, out? Yes, they do. <laughs> <laughs> What is my definition of love? Um, I think love, oh man, it's hard, but I would say in one, in one facet, love is serving with no expectation. Mm. Yeah, it's, it it does seem interesting when we ask this question specifically about love. Um, almost 99% of our guests have like stopped and been like, wait a minute. What, <laughs> what is love? Cause, dictionary? <laughs> yeah. Cause there's different kinds of love, right? There's yeah, love with yeah. your spouse as opposed to love with a child or love with a yeah. coworker or, you know, something like that. They're, those are yeah. different types of love. But yeah. that, that's usually not what we're looking for. It's like, what is what is love? To love somebody else, um, yeah. maybe that you don't even know, right? Yeah. And and how do you show that love and compassion for some someone else? That. Yeah. You know, it feels like it feels like the main threat thing that is threaded be between all the types of love, and I could be wrong, but as I'm kind of trying to think through, is like something that that is without expectation yeah you know like without it's free it's free you know like it's something that you you give with no expectation of return yeah and i i I just you know one of our recent guests talked about it as like uh you know having a dog right a dog Mm -hmm. loves their owner and they may get locked into a room Mm-hmm. for a whole day but then when they see their owner they love him or her unconditionally right like it's yeah. this automatic love whereas if you mm-hmm. locked your spouse in a room for a whole day <laughs> they'd be upset right they they wouldn't really appreciate that <laughs> yeah <laughs> good thing i didn't marry the dog <laughs> <laughs> no i i love this conversation i love all the things that you you've mentioned that I think there's some great wisdom in, in what you've said, and I really appreciate your time. Um, 
with us today and and uh really just hope the best for you in in the future and and your future endeavors but thank you for coming on and joining us today well thank you for having me jason i'm sorry that your brother got booted off but um, yeah (laughs) i love what you guys are doing as well so thank you for putting joy and hope into the world yeah absolutely